Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, today we will be looking at Psalm 9. So if you can open your Bibles to Psalm 9. This is a Psalm of David. Um, this psalm goes uh, with Psalm 10. They, um, in the Septuagint, they are um, following an acrostic pattern, which means if you're following in like the Hebrew alphabet, then Psalm 9 and 10, they will go together. Um, so like each kind of stanza will start with the letter of the alphabet and then go through. But today we are focusing on Psalm 9. Um, so it says, to the choir master, according to Muthlaban, a Psalm of David. So we will begin by reading this together. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. He judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made. In the net that they hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forgot God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Let us pray together. Lord, thank you for this psalm that David wrote down for us. Thank you for um, just your word that we have. I pray that this morning you would, by your Holy Spirit, speak through Psalm 9, that we would um, understand it and learn more and grow in our love and our thanksgiving and our praise of you this morning, God. So I pray that you would work, that you would be glorified in your name. Amen.
So this is a psalm of David, um, particularly on praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. So let's just start with verse 1. The psalmist David is saying in verse 1, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. The first thing we will note in the first two verses of the psalm is that each line um, David begins with, I will. I will give thanks. I will recount. I will be glad. I will sing praise. David is not asking if he can give thanks to God, but he is commanding himself that he will give thanks to God. And with this command, we see in verse 1 how he gives thanks. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Another psalm of David, um, Psalm 86, 12. He says, I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. And in Psalm 119, verse 2, it says, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. In Deuteronomy, Moses is talking to the Israelites, and he's reminding them um, in chapter 8. And Moses says to the people of Israel, You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. We see a great contrast um, where David here is giving his whole heart to God. Um, but then you can think of a king like Amaziah. And in 2 Chronicles 25, we read that Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. And we see what happens later on in that chapter when Amaziah did not give his whole heart to God. Verse 14 says, After Amaziah came from striking down the Edomites, he brought the gods of the men of Seir and set them up as his gods and worshipped them, making offerings to them. Therefore the Lord was angry with Amaziah and sent to him a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of the people who did not deliver their own people from your hand? But as he was speaking, the king said to him, Have we made you a royal counselor? Stop. Why should you be struck down? So the prophet stopped, but said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not listened to my counsel. So we see the importance of David here calling himself to give thanks with a whole heart. It matters. And if we don't, it has consequences. Thankfulness is what helps reorient us back to God. All of us, our whole heart is to be given in thanksgiving to the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. And in the second part of verse 1, David continues with, I will recount all your wonderful deeds. David is showing more of the how he is giving thanks. Here, he is giving thanks by recounting all of God's wonderful deeds. 
We are to be thankful because of God's deeds and not because of life circumstances. Look at verse 3. David begins to talk about his enemies. And we know that throughout David's life, he had a lot of enemies. David was in battle frequently and on the run. But David is recounting God's wonderful deeds, not his epic escapes, not his victories in battle. David knows that all good things come from the Lord. James 1.16 and 17 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from, comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. David's own kingship in Israel came about solely because God chose him, not because David chose God. We cannot limit how thankful we are going to be today because of how we feel, because of our circumstances. We give thanks regardless of the circumstance. Even when life is in shambles, we feel like everything is falling apart or going wrong, we still have reason to give thanks. This is all because Thanksgiving has a direction. The direction of Thanksgiving is, un, is the unchangingness of our God. And David is proclaiming this through Psalm 9. So in verse 1, we're seeing David commanding himself to give thanks. And he's doing it with a whole heart. And he's doing it by recounting God's wonderful deeds. So now let's look at verse 2 where now we're looking at praise. So he says, I will be glad and exalt in you. I will, sing your, I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Again, we see a commanding action, the action of giving praise. And in verse 11, if you jump down, he says, Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. And in verse 14, he says that I may recount all your praises. Just like in verse 1, where David gives thanks by recounting God's wonderful deeds. In verse 11, David sings praises to tell of God's deeds. C.S. Lewis says, men spontaneously praise whatever they value. All enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. If we think about that more with C.S. Lewis, um, I kind of modified this from a section he had. He says, our world rings with praise. Players praise their favorite game. Fans praise their favorite sports team. Lovers praise each other. Walkers praise the countryside. We praise the weather. We praise actors, cars, schools, our family heritage, our children, our parents, flowers, mountains, sunrises, sunsets. Celebrities, we even praise government officials. C.S. Lewis writes on, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. So we praise because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. Would you praise what you don't believe is true? Or would you praise something you don't care about? Our enjoyment is what overflows into praise. And David is showing us in the psalm, my thanksgiving and praise belong to God, 
He's appropriately assigning his worship and thankfulness to the only one truly worthy of worship, God. So as we look at thanksgiving, as we look at praise, we're going to look at three aspects throughout the remainder of the psalm and how our giving thanks and our giving praise, um, the reasons for those and that David gives here. So I... I uh, Break it out in this way. Give thanks and praise to God with your whole heart because he reigns, he has judged the nations, and he is a stronghold for those in need. So we're going to look at that first one. He reigns. So give thanks and praise to God with your whole heart because the Lord reigns. Look at verse 4. You have sat on the throne giving... uh, Wait, hold on. Uh... Yes, I think that's the right spot. Verse 4, you have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. And then look at verse 7. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. So we see God is sitting on a throne, and from his throne he is ruling. He is dictating his commands and laws. David reminds us in verse 11, Sing praises to the Lord. Why? Because God is king and he sits enthroned in Zion. So why is David emphasizing God's reign and kingship? Because God's reign here, it's essential. There is no universe without God's reigning. There is no salvation from sin if God is not reigning. There is no hope after death if God is not reigning. We cannot overemphasize or overproclaim the reign of God. Psalm 99, 1-3. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. In emphasizing God's reign, David is reminding us that we are subjects of God. And as subjects of God, that places us in two categories. You are either a citizen or you are an enemy. You do not decide if you are under God because you are under God. He calls the shots. He gives the commands. He reigns. We do not. Psalm 115.3, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Therefore, our response to God's reign should be as David in verse 11. Sing praise to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. Praise and thank God that we are not in control. Let us proclaim his reign and good deeds as David is doing here in verse 11. So we give praise and thanksgiving to God because he reigns. And we also give praise and thanksgiving to God with our whole heart because God has judged the nations. God has judged everyone who has, who has ever lived and who will ever live. So verse 4, again, you have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. Now go down to verse 7 and 8. I know I'm jumping around here, but that's kind of how David broke it up in the psalm. 
But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. We praise God not just because he is judge, but because he is a righteous judge. God would not be God if he was unrighteous in his judgment, because then he would go against his perfect nature. God wouldn't be holy if he wasn't a righteous judge, and he wouldn't continue in his sinlessness. So, verse 3, David says, When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence, for you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. We see David that is saying that his enemies are perishing before God's presence because his cause is just and right in God's eyes. Verse 5, you have rebuked the nations, you have made the wicked perish, you have blotted out their name forever and ever. God is rebuking the nations and he is bringing an end to the wicked. Look at verse 17 where David says, the wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. God is bringing the wicked and the nations that he is punishing to death or to Sheol. In other parts of the Bible, Sheol is typically translated um, the abode of the dead, the place in the ground or in the pit, in the grave. It's talking about death. <clears throat> so what else does this judgment of God mean? It also means that God makes himself known. So verse 16, the Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of the hands. Look at this in contrast to the judgment God has brought on the nations and the wicked in verses 5 and 6. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. The nations and the wicked will be forgotten. But God has made himself known. He will be remembered. Like David here, are we thankful for God's judgment? Do we give praise and thanksgiving to God because of his judgment? <clears throat> if God is not judging, then Cha Duxun's life was in vain. Cha Duxun was a courageous follower of God. I'm just going to call her Cha to make it easier. Her courageous story was recorded for us, surprisingly enough, by the North Korean government as a training video. The North Korean government produced this video to train their state security agents on how to identify and silence those who promote religion inside of North Korea. Incredibly, the propaganda film gives many details about the life of Cha. It states that during North Korea's Great Famine in the mid-1990s, when an estimated 2.5 million people died, Cha was a strong revolutionary whose faith in the government had wavered. After visiting a woman in the Northwest to ask for help, she illegally crossed the border into China. 
She did this in search of her uncle. But instead of finding her uncle, who had died, Cha found the Sotap Church, where she heard the gospel for the first time. The video says she became a fanatical believer who was inspired to return to North Korea and form an, an underground network of Christian churches. When she returned to North Korea, Cha apparently turned herself in to the authorities for having crossed the border illegally. The video says the authorities were lenient and released her, but instead of praising the government, she praised the Lord. Because of her poverty, the government did not restrict her movement within the country. She could travel freely between towns in North Korea to earn money for herself. As she traveled, she shared the gospel and gave money to the poor and those who were suffering. In addition, she discovered the descendants of several prominent Christians who were gathered every Sunday to worship, pray, sing hymns, and study God's word. Though she was faithful, compassionate, and generous, the video describes her as a spy seeking to recruit other spies. A description of evangelists commonly used in North Korea propaganda. Eventually, according to the video, a good and awakened North Korean citizen reported her to the authorities. It is unclear how she died, but Cha served the Lord without recognition as so many North Korean Christians do, despite their government's attempt to eradicate Christianity. So why do I share this story? I share this story because God's justice was not lost in the life of Cha. The North Korean government did not win. David cries out to God in verse 19, Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. David is crying out of justice after saying earlier in Psalm verse 5, You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. In verse 7, he's established his throne for justice. Or in verse 16, he has executed judgment. David did not forget God's uh, justice in his request here in uh, verse 19. David is calling on God's own character. God will not go against his perfection and his righteousness. God will act with justice. And in this sinful world, we see in part, but a day is coming when God will no longer allow any sin to continue and all will be brought to complete justice. So thanks be to God for the grace he displayed through the life of Cha, because she knew that the only hope for the North Korean people and the North Korean government was the mercy of God. That God sent his son to earth to die for the sins of all mankind, so that God's just punishment of sin would be taken out on his own son, Jesus. It was not taken out on Cha or on David or on anyone else who proclaims with a whole heart thanksgiving and praise to God. So we give thanks and praise to God because he is a righteous judge. We give thanks and praise to God because he reigns. And so now this leads us into our third reason we give thanks and praise to God. 
It's because he is a stronghold for those in need. So as we just read how David talked about the wicked and the nations and specifically God's judgment on them, David also talks about the oppressed in verse 9, the afflicted in verse 12, the needy in verse 18, and the poor in verse 18. So verse 9, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. God upholds the oppressed. That makes perfect sense with God's character. We have just seen how God is a righteous judge. God will bring about justice for the oppressed. Psalm 146.7 says, Who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. God upholds the oppressed. In verse 12, he does not forget the cry of the afflicted. David is reminding himself of something very important. Because in verse 13, David cries out to God, Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my afflictions from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death. David just said in verse 12 that God does not forget the cry of the afflicted. And now David in verse 13, the next verse, he's saying, See my affliction. This is similar to what we just saw in verse 19 where David is calling on God for justice to be done, and he before was declaring that God is just and that he judges. We see David reminding himself of truth about God, and he's aligning his petitions to God because he knows it is in God's own character. We ask because of who God is. We do not ask because of who we are. Sam Storms gives us a helpful reminder. He says, God desires our greatest good, but what greater good is there in the universe than God himself? If therefore God is truly to love us, he must give us himself. Cha knew that she already had been given the greatest gift, God himself, laying down his life for her. God himself choosing to dwell and abide with her. Cha could proclaim as David did in verse 13, Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death. And she was, has now seen the fulfillment of that because God has lifted her up from the gates of death. Because the gates of death were defeated by Jesus on the cross. In verse 18, he says, For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. In 1 Samuel, in the second chapter, Hannah sings this beautiful praise to God, and she says, The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust, he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he set the world. Our God does all these things. So, we have seen that we are to give thanks and praise to God with our whole heart because 
He reigns. He has a stronghold. Um, but because he reigns, he judges the nations, and he has a stronghold for those in need. So now, as we conclude, we must ask ourselves, do we believe these things are true? If we believe that God reigns, judges perfectly, and is a stronghold for the needy, there should be no room left in our hearts for anything other than praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. C.S. Lewis says, It is in the process of being worshipped that God communicates His presence to men. We are designed for worship. He didn't need worshipers, but God was pleased to create worshipers and then save those worshipers from themselves. We live in a dark world still filled with the evils of sin, but let us proclaim as David did in, verse, in the first two verses of Psalm 9. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. So let us pray now um, as we go into a time of response um, and sing more songs of praise and thanksgiving to our God. Lord, Thank you so much for this psalm. Thank you um, for your reigning, that you are seated on your throne. You have finished your work and you have sat down. And we can only see in part, but one day, Lord, when we are with you forever, we will see all your promises having come true. And know that not one of them failed. That is amazing. Um, Lord, you are coming again and you will bring perfect judgment. You will judge all mankind, all of us. Um, and for those who do not know you, I pray that um, today that you would open blind eyes. That they would see um, that they are under you um, subject to your reign, to your judgment, and that only in you, through your Son Jesus, do we have hope. And Lord, thank you that you, you care. Even when we do not see it in the moment, we can cry out, as David does in the psalm, um, to see our affliction and know that you are God who cares for the afflicted. And that uh, no matter what kind of suffering we are going through, that you remain faithful. And that you care for our greatest good because you have given us of your own self. And that is the greatest gift we could ever receive from you. And we do not deserve it, Lord. So I pray the rest of this morning that you would be honored, you would be worshipped, you would be praised in all of our lives. In your name, amen.